0: Welcome, film fans. It's time for another episode of For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which checks out the unwanted, misunderstood, or frankly smelly cinematic strays of yesteryear to see whether they, on second viewing, deserve to find a happy forever home, nuzzled warmly in our own much loved movie collections, pampered with apologies for the ills of the past. My name's Rob, and as always, I'm here with my fellow film fans, Simon and James.
1: Good evening, gents. <laughs> you
2: can tell you're the writer of the group.
1: This is my highlight note.
2: Get out!
0: I spend more time on these intros than my own actual
1: books. <laughs> <laughs> How are we getting Uh, on? I'm wonderful, thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. You, James? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Nice,
0: nice. Um, After last week's uh, frank debacle in uh, Click, uh, we move swiftly on. But what have you guys been watching this week?
1: I watched a film called Under the Silver Lake this week, which aside for some nice cinematography and uh, a lovely score... I found to be masturbatory and vapid attempt at Millennial Noir. Masturbatory! <laughs> <laughs> I did not like it at all. Which, which is a shame because I was really looking forward to it. Um, it's the guy who directed It Follows, oh, which yeah, I think is yeah. one of the best slasher films in the it last Follows. few years.
2: Yeah, it was brilliant, that film.
1: Uh, so I was really looking forward to this um, and he did not deliver and I felt well, I felt disappointed. I thought he was going to be one of my guys moving forward, but uh, a lot of people seem to be drawing comparisons with Richard Kelly and Southland Tales in a lot of the reviews that I've read.
0: Oh, right, yeah. Uh,
1: which, unfortunately, I feel is quite accurate. But hopefully it's just a misstep and David Robert Mitchell will be back on form uh, next time he's out. So um, Interesting. Uh, also, uh, just a quick shout out. I don't know if you guys have actually watched this series, but uh, the Bill Hader um, hitman who wants to become an actor comedy drama is back this week on Sky Atlantic. I think you both get a kick out of it. So uh, I'm giving that
2: a recommendation. The first series is excellent and I think you can get it on the old box set Nice. At the moment. I have nice. not heard of that. I like Bill Hader. I didn't like him in Superbad and I was like, oh, this guy again. But then the more I see him in stuff, the more I'm like, no, he's good. He he's really there.
1: good. He's excellent in this. He's really good. He's got a, he plays sort of the straight man while all the craziness goes on behind him and he doesn't want yeah. to be a hitman anymore and he just stumbles on this acting class where he can sort of work out a lot of his complex emotions oh, around no. murdering what's, people. What's that called again? It's
2: called Barry. I will check that yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. it's good. I've been uh, I have unfortunately I've not had the chance to go to the cinema this week. And I've shockingly not seen any films on VOD either, which is awful form. Terribly sorry. Is that
1: you, Rob?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You ain't even got to me yet.
2: (laughs) So I've been trudging through season two of Westworld and come to the end of that. I really love Westworld. It's amazing. Um, But I just finished Ricky Gervais' new series, Afterlife, on Netflix. How's that? I, I honestly think it's wonderful. I think it's absolutely brilliant um we discussed quite a lot last week well me and you rob did it was james didn't cry at <laughs> <click> last week <laughs> uh, but uh man this program had me in tears about three times an episode it's basically gervais has been like a grumpy old man um which is probably why i relate to him so much because i am <laughs> like an 85 year old in <laughs> a 33 year old's body <laughs> um, honestly so lovely I think Gervais is really good when it comes to like writing from the heart and I think this is just it's it's I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It's oh, gorgeous. It's a beautiful programme. It's really, really nice. Yeah, definitely recommend it. He gets a lot of stick nowadays, Gervais, but Yeah. If you wanna be quite, you know, heartwarmed This is the series for you. Six episodes, 30 minutes pop. It's lovely. It's really nice.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'm going to. That's on my list. I might start it this weekend on the strength of that recommendation,
2: Simon. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Really good. Some
0: good recommendations here, boys. Really good recommendations. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say that I've managed to watch nothing this week apart from the film in question. But I did commit the what was very nearly a terrible parental faux pas of introducing my three-year-old and one-year-old to Jurassic Park while my wife was out. Um, I, I mean, I did say to him, like, you know, this isn't real. Um, I decided to fast forward the first hour um, because the intentions man's not going to go for that. And I went straight in uh, with the goat getting murdered. Um, and um, <laughs> you know, by the time the lawyer's being ripped off the toilet, uh, <laughs> my three-year-old's turning to me saying, you sure this is not real? you're quite sure this is not real <laughs> and uh, my one year old is loving it like Dino Uh so yeah we watch that um, we watch that now that sequence every morning over a bowl of Cheerios so major success <laughs> A proud moment in our house. I think you'd, you'd have uh, to agree. Super.
1: What uh, did you? Te- I think you texted me saying the DNA test is not required.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Jurassic Park is my favourite film, dear listener.
1: Uh, James, it is actually it is your pick this week, isn't it? Oh, oh God! I've prepared nothing. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Right. <laughs> Bit of a change up this week as we are taking a look back at a film called Predestination from. 2014. Uh, And it's a change up for the pod in the sense that this is an extremely well-reviewed film. 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's verified fresh. Uh, So we're bending the rules a little bit to get this one in, but it's our podcast and we'll do what we want, I suppose.
2: Well, I'd never heard of this film before you mentioned it. So I think the fact it's quite a hidden film makes it qualify alone but I think
0: yeah I think that's right and um I did I'm not usually the facts guy on this as we've learned very quickly how <laughs> unreliable my facts tend to be uh, but um I did actually look into um what money this made, and it was, I mean, it was obscenely low, wasn't it? Especially in America. Yeah. And that does therefore qualify yes. um, for our criteria, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it probably had a um, a simultaneous VOD and disc release with a limited cinema run. But as Simon sort of said, i I, I don't know anyone else within... Well, I didn't know that you two guys hadn't heard of it. No chance,
0: no, no chance.
1: Well, I mean, that's not wholly surprising in your case, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Sick burn. Guilty as charged. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is, um, I, I, I remember, uh, re- do you remember uh, Love Film where you used to get a disc through the post every now and again? Oh, oh lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
2: I, I really miss Love Film. It was so do
1: great. I, because you could find little gems like this. You'd just go on the new releases, and if it had like a bit of box art or poster that you were interested in, put it on your list, they'll get around to sending you it at some point. Yeah, and you and- didn't
2: you didn't spend 2 hours perusing through a nonsense of film posters to pick a film. <laughs> exactly. I spent yeah, 3 yeah. hours just picking a film and then you'd go to bed cuz Watch Friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't be bothered
1: with this. I'm just going to watch The Office again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah. I I I love it because Love Film told me what to watch. I wasn't crippled with choice paralysis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this one, it came through
1: on disc, and uh, I was. I was up for, uh, I watched it with quite low expectations and I never do this. I got to the end, I was like, Jesus, I need to unpack that. And I literally started it again and watched it from the beginning, like in a back to back. Back Yeah, to to try and decipher it. So what I want to get across for the listener is uh, we're going to have to get this in early this week.
2: We do, we do, we do. In
1: order to talk about this film in any kind of detail, we're going to have to spoil every revelation within it. And there are a few. So if the trailer piques your interest, please go and watch the film lest we ruin the whole thing for you. Uh, So Simon, roll the trailer. What if I could put him in front of you? The man that ruined your life. Would you kill him?
2: By the time you listen to this, seven years will have passed. Here you are. At the beginning of your new life, it can be overwhelming, knowing the future. So what, you're a cop? I'm a temporal agent. We prevent crime before it takes place. What is it?
1: It's a time machine. Don't ever exceed the jump limit. It can be problematic. If you ever want to stop the fizzle bomber, you'll never get another chance. Time. It catches up with us all. You can do
2: this. What are you saying? What's that got to do with me?
1: You're the only one given to the world through a paradox. You must lay the seeds for the future. I know where I come from. But where do all you zombies come from? If I could put him in front of you, would you kill him? Right, so Ethan Hawke is
2: his own mother and father in this movie. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> straight, I'm glad you got the spoiler warning out of the way because that was just the whole <laughs> film in a line. Wow.
0: I, I'm for, where do you even begin? I mean, I'm glad we don't have to keep anything back and we can just go straight in with the discussion. Yeah. I'm going to say straight away that I really enjoyed it and exceeded expectations by a long way.
2: Same. Oh, Great. I'm almost annoyed that the the poster and uh, I read the logline of it before I watched it because I felt it would have been even better if I had not known at all of the time travel. I think it would have been way better to, you know, you just it just looks like a story of uh, someone to a barkeep. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the barkeep turns around and goes, "Well, riddle be this <laughs> and then this whole world explodes <laughs> of time
1: travel." I think possibly uh, they wanted to maybe sell it as a as a thriller more than yeah. it is because that first forty five minutes is is literally just a discussion between Ethan Hawke's character, yeah. the barkeep, and the unmarried mother played by Sarah Snook. Yeah, and it's uh, interspersed with flashbacks to her childhood and growing up and her journey to to the bar essentially.
0: Where she's a man, we must add. She's a man by this point. Yes. I, I thought that was Dane DeHaan. <laughs> I,
1: I mean, I don't even know where to
2: start with this. Yeah, where do you start? There is like, no beginning. The, yeah, it's a time loop. The, do you start at the film? <laughs> yeah. Do you start at the start of the timeline of the film? Yeah, it's it's hard to know where to start. It,
0: it is. I mean, I right, I'm going to start with, um, I didn't know it was uh, not a male actor in the bar I think uh, Ethan Hawke was watchable from the very first minute so I was invested in whatever he was doing I always find him really watchable anyway so yeah he's
1: brilliant yeah, yeah
0: he is really good um, and he brings a sort of um, grace and gravitas to this that I really liked so yeah I was in I didn't know this was a female playing a male um, I thought it was the actor Dane DeHaan for the the start of
2: this <laughs> not a Leonardo DiCaprio lookalike no- <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but you know that's a testament to Sarah Snook's performance, isn't oh, it? Oh, she, I mean, is she is incredible, fantastic, she is outstanding. In this film. Yeah, in fantastic. this film, she really is. Outstanding. How is
1: she not a massive movie star?
0: I uh, have no idea, no idea. Like she's, she's worked brilliant. regularly brilliant
1: brilliant. since this. Like um, I'm just looking through her filmography now. So she works with the uh, directors again, the Speerigs on a haunted house film with Helen Mirren called Winchester. She's in a Black Mirror episode uh, and she's also in Succession which is a critically acclaimed show on HBO which I haven't seen but this is an unbelievable performance. It's mm, very good. Oh it
0: is. Yeah. And, and but it goes above and beyond in every single aspect you could ask for as well.
1: Yeah, I mean what do we think of the makeup? Like I thought the makeup was fantastic.
0: It, it is. I hadn't got a clue that it you know like again I hadn't just had no idea it wasn't in this instance, I had no idea that it wasn't a guy. But further on, like right the way through the film, the effects were excellent. Um, and there was a subtlety to the effects that I really liked as well. You know, the, the time travel effect. Yeah. Um, it, like, uh, say you mentioned last week about the in-click, the subtleness when Hasselhoff gets hit in the face. <laughs> There's a subtleness here where it's no, we've not gone overboard, but we've really given the impression that time travel has happened.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, I really love how... Um understated a lot of it is. I mean, it's quite obvious that a lot of it is down to budget. Yeah. yeah. But they don't have to make the most out of the cash they've got. Yeah. What would you guys say the budget on this film is?
0: Oof. I don't know. Um, I it's mean, 10... looking at it like that,
2: yeah, 10 million, yeah. It's 5.6 wow.
1: million, Australian, million Australian dollars. Yeah, That's amazing. Because
2: I, I noticed, uh, yeah, it was like from the off the bat, it comes up with its, you know, funded by Australian production companies. And the, the actors in it, Sarah Souk's Australian, and then you've got um, that guy who looks like Ben Mendelssohn but isn't Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> Noah Taylor, <laughs> Captain
0: Exposition. Yes, ca- yeah. something needs explaining, which happens quite a lot. <laughs> we'll get bring in Noah Taylor quickly.
2: Yeah, so he's he's Australian. But I just loved how, um, yeah, they really pushed their budget. Half the film is set in the bar, one set for 45 minutes of a film is, is, is quite economical, yeah. really. And the yeah. way that bar is lit. It's like super, isn't it? There's like two extras in the bar as well. Yeah, it's all really good. And the the, the time machine itself, it's just a violin yeah, case yeah. with like a security look on it. <laughs> with just a super. bike lock. <laughs> just, <yeah. laughs> Let's not overthink it. You know, we could spend all our budget on a fancy time machine and fancy effects to do that time travel to take it back yeah. down to what you were saying, Rob. Uh, but it reminded me of the the time travel bit reminded me of I think it's in Thor Ragnarok when um, Chris Hemsworth is talking to Doctor Strange. Sorry, Thor's talk to, talking to Doctor Strange and it just keeps cutting in and around the place where Doctor Strange is. And the way they did it was just a sound effect and a cut, a straight cut. And uh, Chris Hemsworth just jolted where he was and they cut. And, it's, and you watch watch it back and you'll be amazed that there is no effects whatsoever. It's just him moving in real yeah. life.
0: Uh, that's cool. I mean, to watch it back, I'll have to watch it in the first place. <laughs>
2: oh, well, okay. <laughs> I think sometimes simple is best and that that certainly works. And I think
1: that's a real... So, I, so, so this is actually based on a short story and from what I understand, it's a quite a faithful adaptation. So it's a short story called All You Zombies by Robert A. Heinlein. All they've added to it is the fizzle bomber uh, subplot, so the rest of it is pretty faithful. Yeah. So I assume the violin case as a time travel device is from the source material and to be honest with you, right, time travel not to burst anybody's bubble. time travel is not possible right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes uh, so what <laughs> is the point in spending loads of time explaining how how it works in the first place? He just goes to her when he uh, mm. goes to the uh, the unmarried mother when he shows uh, him down to the cellar, he goes, this is the time machine. And you just go, right, cool, done. <laughs> like, yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we don't open it up and we have a look inside and see all the little, you know, the, Ooh, the cool whizzy things going around. We don't do any exactly, of that stuff. Yeah. We don't complicate anything. It's just rubbish. Yeah. Pizza. I think, um, well, <laughs> don't need to piss off some <laughs>
1: Colombians. <all>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, on the topic of this, um, the source material, All You Zombies, um, it was written in one day in
2: 1958.
0: Yeah. 58. How ahead of its time is this? That's, it's unbelievable. It's
2: Wait, a, lot of, a lot of good sci-fi is like, you only have to, like, War of the Worlds is like way ahead of its time as well, and the time machine as well yeah. ahead of its time. I loved the trust in the audience that they were just like, let's not get bogged down in explaining the nature of time travel. People know what it is by now. Everyone's seen Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. So we don't need yeah. to explain it anymore. <laughs> and they just, like, it's like that first five minutes set up and then we're into that conversation in the bar. Yeah. And then we can sort of recover then and we just listen to a nice story and then it gets quite heavy in terms of trying to keep track yeah, of the, yeah. the time travel elements of it. But I really like the trust to, to, think, to believe that the audience are smart enough to understand it. And yeah, I thought mm. I thought they did that really well.
0: Yeah, I think that um, the that opening forty-five minutes, like like we we've, we've all said, like um, in the bar telling um, Jane's story through flashbacks on her way to and including her time in the early years of her gender reassignment, I thought was exceptionally sensitively handled. I thought it was it was really 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 well done. Um, and if you consider as well that this story was from nineteen fifty-eight it's ahead of its time in its handling the story itself Ooh, yeah. i mean like yeah. how ambitious in 1958 to even attempt to write a story like this i mean gender reassignment i don't know where gender reassignment was in the late 50s um but i just i found the whole conceit really charming um and then you know this is all before we get to the real head tilt yeah. stuff of what happens and, later on. And mm. that's
1: the thing, isn't it? It's almost like two movies in one. So you have this quite heartfelt story about this. Um, so Jane's story starts as uh, she's a young baby and she's
2: abandoned at an orphanage. The cutest baby I've ever seen on film, by Oh, the way. yeah,
1: yeah, she's cute. Yeah, <laughs> Such a cute baby. <laughs> Granted. Um, and then basically she grows up, never really experiencing uh, any love and she's like, hardens herself and becomes good at fighting and, you know, like she's able to look after herself, but she's incredibly smart with it mm. as well. Mm. Um And she wants to be, she wants to go into space, doesn't she? She wants to be an astronaut.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so she grows up and basically she uh, joins a space program because there are no such thing as female astronauts where she's going to be basically – Shanging astronauts. That's the whole. That's the whole thing, isn't it? That program that she joined. Yeah, yeah. it's to keep them relaxed
0: and to keep them serviced. Yeah, yeah. expression. So they're
1: not blowing their jizz out the (laughs) airlock.
0: You didn't see that in Moonraker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you nearly did. Actually, you nearly did. Oh my! (laughs) He's attempting re-entry, sir.
1: Yeah, can we, can we cut this, please?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, so she joins that. She's like the top candidate, isn't she? Much more capable than the other women who've joined that. And then at some point she gets into a fight with one of the other candidates and um, she has to go for some medical tests and all of a sudden she's booted from the programme. Yeah. And it's not explained to us at that stage why she's been booted out. Mm. I mean, you have a you
0: have a fair idea because by this point you are guessing that the unmarried mother is um, actually yes. Gay. Well, we know that because we're but watching if you it flash back,
1: can not we? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I
0: should, yeah. oh yeah, it's actually explicitly told, isn't it? Do you want to know the story? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're being
1: idiots. We're making this even more complicated. <laughs>
0: This was always going to be a risk talking about this, though, because they, like you say, the expression, there's so much to unpack. There is so much to unpack here.
1: I mean, we haven't even talked about the prologue where some dude is like, just has a shootout with another random dude in like a basement and gets his head set on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you,
2: Do you remember the film? Do you remember the Alec Baldwin film, The Shadow? I remember watching it as a kid. I can't remember much else about it, though. That opening sequence took me straight back to be how, however old I was watching The Shadow <laughs> because it was just it looked exactly like that. It was the same lighting, it was the same sort of sets, yeah. and the f- the f- it was just like fucking hell. This is The Shadow. Such a bizarre film to be like oh, remember that one? <laughs> Taken back to it's it. an obscure comic book adaptation.
1: Yeah, it's got sort of that classic Hollywood look, hasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and the yeah. prosthetics. Yeah, the yeah, prosthetics
2: at the start are grisly. Oh they're that's excellent aren't they yeah yes. yes, great marvelous marvelous yeah.
1: I mean the first thing the first you don't even see anybody's face until somebody's is melting off like that's how the film <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true that's <laughs> true and he looks a lot like Anakin in uh,
0: Revenge of the Revenge Sith of the Padme Man. Padme where is Padme You were the chosen
2: one
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Two films this and that that don't
1: really have a lot in common apart from yeah. people getting burnt <laughs> Spoilers for a Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yes, yeah, both. Uh,
2: so we come back from that, and I know we kind of jump back in time, which is relevant for this film, I guess. Um, or have we gone forward in time? I'm not where, sure where we
1: are. <laughs> oh, God, I've gone cross-eyed.
2: <laughs> You've got that person who's had their face melted, and they've had surgery, and the bandages come off, and it's Ethan Hawke. Which you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you, to yeah. be fair? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, I'd be all right with that, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I know we briefly touched on Ethan Hawke. I, I kinda of don't get Ethan Hawke. He's such a strange entity as an actor. Because he's he's in a lot of stuff, but he loves a low budget film. He's got a, such an incredibly eclectic career. So he's worked with
1: these directors before on a vampire film called uh Daybreakers. Daybreakers, I'd heard of that.
2: yeah. I had heard of that. I had yeah. I didn't know it was the same uh the same directors, but I had heard of that. I hadn't heard of this one. Um but yeah, he's in so many like little low budget films and Some of them do sort of cross that threshold into the mainstream, Mm. like uh, that first reformed last year with Paul Schrader. That kind of broke into mainstream discussion a bit. It didn't get up for any Oscar nominations, even though I heard...
1: Oh, he was robbed. Absolutely
2: robbed. Haven't seen it yet, but I've I've heard from so many people that he is exceptional in that film.
1: Not only should he be nominated, he should have won. Like, he was superb. Like, and to not even get the nod is, oh, fuck off Oscars.
2: Yeah, it's just it's just come on Now TV, I think, so I do need to check that out. But, like, we're looking at his, like, his movies in recent years, like, with the exception of, like, The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, like, the horror franchise is, like, Sinister. And he was in the first Purge film, wasn't he? He was, what? yeah, yeah. He almost exclusively works for independent filmmakers. Mm. And... yeah. You know, even films like *Boyhood* is an art house film. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was a big film. It was a big popular film, but it is an art house film, and he's had quite a resurgence recently. I think. I don't. No, yeah, but he's always he's, been he's good. A weird one. He's always he's been. A weird, have you he's, ever he's seen him ba- be bad in anything? Oh, he's great. I've never he's seen great. him be bad in
0: anything. I think. No, do you remember no. um, one? I don't. I don't think it was his first film. It wasn't his first film for sure. Uh, tape. The Richard Linklater, the Linklater film. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, for me, that was like. Um, it was shot on a a camera that any one of us could have owned back in the early Mm -hmm. 2000s. Um, And I always looked at that as like, no, this is, I always wonder what the difference was. Why do other films look differently, even though they're shot on the same kind of stuff that we've got, you know, why, why do they always feel different? Why can I never get it to look and feel like that? And it was because I think one was obviously the lighting was another thing, you know, if you lit, lit well, it went a long way, but the other was the caliber of acting and, Hawk, especially, I thought in that film was so good that it took that film uh, and it made it feel box office, despite it was made with peanuts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's got Uma Thurman in as well. Hasn't it has, it? Who, yeah, who yeah. He was married to at the time, so yeah, yeah. He's, that's a really that's a that's a slept on film, definitely. I mean, he's definitely. got such an eclectic career, and I imagine like in the 90s when he sort of burst onto the scene. he's You know, he's a good-looking dude. Oh, yeah. I imagine that his agent at the time would have been trying to push him like to go and be heartthrobs and in rom-coms, you know, yeah. leaning against his co-stars on the posters <laughs> for the latest <laughs> romantic
0: comedy. Leaning against Adam Sandler, ready to... You know, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but he's just not done that. He'll do the odd big-budget film, so he did a remake of Assault on Precinct 13, which is... It's okay as remakes go. It's yeah, yeah. The
2: original for me is so perfect.
1: Oh, it's superb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you yeah.
2: The remake added in a bit of a unnecessary twist, which the original yeah. didn't have.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good remake. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Training Day as well. Like with yeah, Denzel, he's fantastic amazing. in that movie. Better than Denzel, I would say, which is a bit controversial.
2: I think Training Day as well was sort of originally intended as a. Low budget flick, what just transcended into mainstream yeah. because of Denzel. Not because of Ethan Hawke necessarily, he kind of got yeah. overshadowed yeah. by Denzel, who, to be perfectly honest, I, I don't think he's as good as the accolades suggest in that film. Um, no, he's been better in other stuff yeah, that he, he didn't win for. It's like,
1: there. oh, we didn't give it in for this, so we better give it in for this one. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like
0: um, Scorsese winning an Oscar for The Departed and not for any of the other amazing movies that he'd done. The Departed is brilliant, by the way.
2: Oh, yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. It's really great, yeah. Cool. We talked
0: about obviously the main acting players in this one. What about the the directors? We mentioned Daybreakers. Uh, I have to be honest, I'm not familiar with their body of work at all.
1: No, no Yeah. So they they're a pair of identical twin brothers who direct movies together. They've got an advertising background, which I think sort of shows in yeah. uh, in the film because they've got they're very. Visually proficient, there is a sli- really good there's a definite film. slickness, yeah,
0: yeah. isn't there, to it? Mm.
1: Yeah, and they don't rely too heavily on dialogue. There's not a lot of dialogue in this, so even when they're going through exposition, they're shooting around, uh, particularly when they go back in time for the first but in the first instance. And he's, um, he's getting like Ethan Hawke's like getting changed while he's explaining to the unmarried mother that's her character name as well, it's not a slur, in- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> yes, um they're sort of whizzing around the room and while well, he's getting changed into clothes of the era. Um, so yeah, I think they're quite slick in that sense. So they made the film Daybreakers in 2010, which also starred Ethan Hawke, which is, I didn't love, but it's pretty interesting. It's got a distinct visual style and gallons and gallons of blood. Is it the one where the, the
2: vampires are like dying out and Ethan Hawke's trying yeah, to find yeah. a it's cure? Yeah, it's quite an interesting,
1: like yeah, it's quite an interesting twist on it. It's, it's, it doesn't it's not wholly successful but it's yeah it's uh it's interesting enough definitely uh and then they went on and they've done uh they directed the saw reboot jigsaw which uh, I won't be watching
2: yeah. um nice. and Absolutely
1: then yeah. the aforementioned winchester with helen mirren and sarah Snook again and that didn't get very good reviews but on the strength of this film I'll probably check that out yeah also uh peter uh, Spearig uh composed the score for this, oh wow, one. Oh, wow. So, multi-talented dudes. Yeah, and they uh, they always use the same cinematographer as well, um, and a few of the effects guys they've carried over from projects as well. So yeah.
2: nice, cool, nice. No, I, I like, I, I really like the look of the look of it. As I touched on earlier, the fight. I'm amazed at five million budget for this. I think, that's, yeah, they, yeah, they've Absolutely. really, really pushed as much. I'm sure they called in a lot of favors for that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely,
2: yeah.
0: But doesn't it just tell you that the strength of story can sometimes see out, you know, see overlook all sorts of uh, budgetary limitations at times if you do things right? You know, story actually can be more important than money at times in cinema. It always should be anyway. Yes, mm, yeah.
2: yeah. Um,
0: we were going to say, uh, sorry, we weren't at all, but release date, 2014, is that right? It's either 14 or 15, depending on the territory. Right, right. So, um, and because we were saying it probably went direct to video, like it's very hard to say what came out you know to give it a bit of context with what it came out alongside it's hard to say that but yeah. what what did it make what was its what did it what was its box office
1: what facts have we got? It's saying here is 4.3 million worldwide, so under the 5.6, but it's probably been pre sold everywhere. So I didn't have to track this down in order to watch it. It's always on Film 4 in the middle of the night. Yeah. Oh, right. So right. I recorded it off there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so it's probably been pre sold to Film 4 equivalents all across the world. Yeah. Uh, for. You know, so it makes its budget back on that. Yeah. With someone like Ethan Hawke in the lead role, yeah. he will carry a certain amount of cachet in international markets where they can sell the film there. And then they just rely. I imagine that it did perfectly fine on DVD.
2: But It surprises me. Like, I would have thought it would have reached cult status, to be honest. Yeah. I'm quite surprised. I haven't heard of it before.
0: Yeah, especially if it's, it's based on a, you know, a, a 1958 sci-fi short story. That, you know, that is the kind of... Currency that usually gets picked up as attracting cult status, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and as we said, the critical reception is unanimous—not uh, unanimous, but eighty-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes is not to be sniffed at, is it? Really, like, not at it's, all. Is that critics not, not audience? It's seventy-five percent on audience.
2: We can expand on the uh, reviews. I think so. I say, James, eighty-four percent Rotten Tomatoes critical, seventy-five audience, which you just said so. Critical slightly higher. Uh, Metacritic is a different story. Um oh, sixty nine oh, really? out of a hundred on Metacritic. Uh so not as good on there critically, eight out of ten for users. Um, and then you've got a letterbox average of three and a half stars, which is sort of like as you'd expect, really. Um but just want to chuck in some like a good positive one first, I guess. Let's 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 start off on a high note. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh this was watched by Zachary Hall 15th July 2018, so quite a recent review. Uh, he gave it five stars. Just a nice one-line review. One of the most under-acknowledged, under-appreciated, underrated movies of all time. Mm. Uh, so I think Zach's got at the, uh, the 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 reasoning for our pod on the nose there. Ah, Zachary, my man. Yeah, so it, it's very it's very much uh, underrated. I think definitely.
0: I agree. Like, and I love the fact that um, through doing this pod. If I hadn't been doing this pod, I wouldn't have had the treat that this was. Can I tell you what my favourite thing about this film was, just very quickly? I,
1: yeah, like, go for it. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. that I've really liked. Like, I I like the time travel conceit in movies. I quite like it, but sometimes I steer clear because it makes my head hurt. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I was younger, I was always bothered with the concept of infinity. Um, like my dad said to me when I was about ten, he said, uh, "Do you know what bothered me when I was a young man? The concept of infinity, the fact that something could go 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 on and on and on and never reach a boundary." And I, and I thought, like, "Yeah, Dad, I wasn't bothered about that before, but I am now." And it's like, <laughs> so now the concept of infinity is something that sort of bothers me, and the fact that time is as a straight line can be messed around with now in so many time travel films and stories you the people that go back in time are always told you know don't don't meet up with your earlier self because you'll mess up the time space continuum or whatever you know don't interfere with events that are already going on and in this you know they're literally going back and forth either murdering each other or you know, having babies with each other—they <laughs> are going back. There's no boundaries to what it is that they can do with their former, future, past, yeah. present selves. I really well, like that because it, it poses so many possibilities for me in a
1: narrative sense. Yeah, there's some big questions going on here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. about yeah. the nature of fate and destiny and. You can always make a choice at any point in this. So I think what potentially people might struggle with this film is, and we've sort of touched on it here while we've been trying desperately to talk about the plot, (laughs) is there isn't a beginning, a middle, or an end. There is in terms of the film starting, but it's a time loop. Yeah. And it's always chicken and the egg, which they talk about, and always the snake continuously eating itself forever. Yeah. Yeah. Infinity.
2: Yeah, it was like that. That old episode. There was an episode of Red Dwarf where Lister, because Lister was abandoned under a pool table, <laughs> and there was an episode later on where Red Dwarf got really sci-fi. The more it went on, the more sci-fi it got. <laughs> I and it, this it turned one. out it good. It, it turned out that he delivered himself to under the pool table to do, and the, there was an image of a snake eating its own tail and blah blah blah. And that just reminded me of that. that, that yeah, this yeah, me yeah. Of that. Watching yeah. that and I was like, oh, it's that episode of Red Dwarf. Brilliant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can I just, right, can we just try, for the purposes of continuing the discussion, just to nail this on the head, yeah. can I have a go at this? Because I'm the thicker yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the real dense one. When it goes, <laughs> I didn't understand speed Racer, so <laughs> <laughs> I need some help there. So, right. Whew. The bar scene, Ethan Hawke is an agent. Uh, the unmarried, uh, unmarried mother comes in. She goes um, back in time or she's she's I'm already messing this up. She is a he who goes back in time to impregnate herself. um, And then she has a baby, which is her who Ethan Hawke as the agent goes back in time to steal and then becomes her. I'm losing it. <laughs> I was so close. Oh, yeah, You're so know, close. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then it's revealed that Ethan Hawke is actually all of them yep. who is just there to perpetuate this motion because he's on, on the lookout for the fizzle bomber, who we've not mentioned yet, who's the MacGuffin, essentially, isn't it? I think like, yeah, the film is isn't really about yeah. the fizzle bomber whatsoever. It's a plot device to keep you know keep us moving to in add one a thriller element possible, a to, to the, to like the film. Yeah, oh, exactly, by the way, the
1: Fizzle exactly. Bomber is also Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's are.
0: it. Yeah, and then it's revealed that the when he finally does all that, and Ethan Hawke has this horrible moment where he's got to steal a baby. That's him. And he steals the baby from, <laughs> you know, the the man that the he's The baby is that him as a baby. That's him. Yeah. The baby that's him. That's a girl. And the <laughs> the woman that's him <laughs> as well. And then he uh, and then Ethan Hawke goes into a laundrette to he's finally caught the fizzle bomber and then that's him as well so the the entity who these people play is all the same entity isn't it yeah did i get this
2: yeah yeah you've got it yeah that was that was my head exploding
0: (laughs) what going on in my head was the five takes of the jeep blowing up in hard target
2: (laughs) as complicated as it all sounds the thing I really loved about this film, and it's because it sort of flouted common rules regarding paradoxes yeah. in time travel movies. Absolutely. Because there's all these rules of of a paradox in a time travel movie. We need to remember that time travel isn't real, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, It's, yeah, true. it's all theoretical. True. It's all theoretical. So you can kind of do what you want. Yeah. Now, time tra- I love time travel movies. They're amazing as much as they make my brain hurt like I love Looper Looper's is one of my favorites. This is very yeah, similar yeah, to Looper yeah. in that sense. It is quite yeah. similar, to it, but something But yeah. something that like even Back to the Future say which is a a family yeah. film. Yeah. That has quite complicated time travel in it which does have a lot of plot holes in it Back to the Future when you actually unpack it. But I thought the reason this was so good is it was written so tightly and so smartly was that it did actually make sense and and I didn't think the twist. or they they hit you in waves. You kind of clocked in that moment just before it was revealed. Yeah. Well, I thought anyway. So it wasn't necessarily a holy shit. Whoa, whoa, it was a hang on a minute, and then it was revealed, and you're like, oh my god, it's true. And yeah, I just think like yeah. it. It was easy as as difficult as it is if you sort of sit down and try and write it out or explain it as you tried to do, Rob. <laughs> in the sense of the film it did all make sense and it was easy to sort of follow, which is quite difficult for a time. You're topic, right,
0: though. you're right. I never thought about that because if they did it all, they, and they spaced out those revelations quite nicely yeah. so that you could actually come to terms with them before being hit over the head with it all at once and then be left yeah, leaving the movie yeah. going, oh my God. So I actually left the movie thinking like, wow, they really played with my expectations and surpassed them in every single way. And um, not only that, but I kind of got it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas I, you know, I
0: could have just left the cinema and gone like, I don't know what I've watched. I've no idea. Who was that? You know, like that. So it's a testament to the story, the filmmakers and the script.
1: Yeah. You have to pay attention. But if you do pay attention, it is easy enough to follow. Yeah. It's just that some of the revelations coming at you are so like out there. And massive. so, So what? He went back in time and after becoming a man and being told that he could... Create that he was no longer shooting blanks, he went back and met himself when he was a girl, and then that's who they both fell in love with because neither yeah. experienced love at any point in their life.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but it asked so many questions. I mean, that like, so
0: did that shock you first on first watching? I mean, this was the first watch for you, I si, Want It, yeah, it was. second or third, maybe for you, James? Maybe, yeah, um, probably
1: third or fourth. I think, yeah, cool. Well, when he went back in
0: time that first time you watched it, um, and Sarah Snook playing. Him at that point, and he said, "Like, right, she's going to be outside the building, and she bumped into herself. Yeah, he bumped into herself. Which uh, I'm not being." Um insensitive by messing around here. It's just because I find it so hard to follow, you know, with the pronouns yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm using. So
1: the unmarried um, but, mother um, or, uh, bumps into Jane. That's does it, that thank it you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That does help a lot, yeah. That moment really broadsided me. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what, really? You know, and then you knew what was going to happen. Like, oh no, no, you know, I wasn't ready for yeah, that, that that's at all. What,
2: that's what I mean about the, the reveals kind of come in the moment before it's actually plainly revealed yeah it gives you a head start to figure it out because as soon as she bumps into uh as soon as the unmarried woman bumps into jane and then it's that repeat of what you've seen earlier when she meets that mysterious yeah, yeah. man who disappeared yeah. in the night you're like yeah i've wrote this in my notes in capital letters as well holy fucking shit she is the man who got her pregnant like <laughs> 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 that furiously like oh my god um <laughs> and then it was, and, and then it becomes clear because she, because uh, the unmarried woman is there to kill yeah. the person who, yeah, of course, deserted yeah. her when she was Jane. And then, you, and then, as soon as that moment happens, you're like, oh shit! And then that's the first of many twists and turns, which big then revelations, just steadily yeah. hit you in waves. And um, and I just think yeah. it's really well. Well done. It
1: is, yeah. I think what we should explain as well. So the unmarried mother wants to kill the person who impregnated Jane because the reason that she ended up having the gender assignment was not uh, by choice. She was impregnated by this mysterious man who we later learn is the unmarried mother. She has the baby. During the course of having the baby... Uh, She wakes up, you know, having a baby's no joke. My (laughs) wife will attest to that. (laughs) Raise my glass,
0: raise my glass.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and basically she's been told that she's had a C-section. They've got the baby out, but there was some complications. So she's had a hysterectomy um, and had her ovaries removed. And also while they're in there, they found that she's actually uh, intersex. So she's got uh, both male and female reproductive organs on the inside. And they've told her that they're uh, now going to be changing her into a man and she's going to have a penis moving forward.
2: It's kind of enforced, isn't it? Because they just take out the the woman organs of her. Now, am I right in thinking that the reason Jane did have two male and female uh, internal reproductive systems was because it was like a bit of an incestuous Oh, interesting, yeah. Because the impregnated... She basically, he impregnated herself. This is so confusing.
1: (laughs) She, she, when she later becomes a man, has sex with herself. And then... (laughs) It is...
2: We're making it sound so much more complicated. No, we're not, Uh, because
1: I'm following this. We're making it sound like grosser than it actually is. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. no, we are actually, yeah. Because it's not portrayed as gross at all in the film Yeah, No, because it's it's, it's portrayed so sensitively. It is, it is. And there's
0: so much going on here about fate. You know, like when uh, the unmarried mother goes back as a man and he he can't help but follow the fate that's already set in motion. You know, because I'm thinking like, well, surely he doesn't have to go back and impregnate himself, Mm. herself. But fate obviously throws a curveball and
2: it happens anyway. He has to do it. Um, I love that aspect of the film, of the the idea of things being inevitable and not mm. being in control of your fate. I do think if there is a criticism to level at, not just this film, but films like that in general, because it's in a film it's so easy to just go, this person didn't choose to shoot herself, She decided to fall in love with him. And it's just quite easy. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in your own human mind you're going, you wouldn't do that. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So it is quite an easy criticism to to level at it. Not to say that I did think that, because there are negative reviews out there, um, which we'll touch on shortly, from users and critics. Uh and that's for me that was the one what sort of stuck out. It's it's quite convenient that uh there's these obvious choices. Jane, the barkeep, the unmarried mother have, which they conveniently don't choose to go against. But then it depends how you look at it, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I love the way you mentioned with your human mind, Sai. You know, with our human mind, that seems very strange that you would go back and if you were entrusted to kill somebody and you realize that that somebody was yourself because of all the hurt you're going to inflict on yourself and there's also the other thing that you know have we uh, have any of you guys used that app or or it was like really popular on facebook for maybe two years ago where you take a picture of yourself and it makes you into uh, a female
2: oh yeah yeah now
0: i never saw that I never, I saw my version of it, you know, of me as a female. I never, I never thought like, oh, uh, I, I won't mind impregnating her. You know, I never, so it wouldn't, you know, like when the unmarried mother goes back, like he he sees a female version of himself and he thinks like, oh yeah, right on. Yeah.
1: And that doesn't sound like something I would think, <laughs> to be honest. But at that point, is it because Ethan Hawke, uh, the barkeep and the unmarried mother, they're They're all the same person, but they're not at the same time because of the things that have happened to them through the course of their lives. And they both fall in love with that earlier version of themselves because it's unrecognisable to the people that they are at this stage. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. It's almost, I think as well, it's you, not you, to you, do with gender, yeah. if you like, because if, if, you could go, ooh, they went back and they fucked themselves. Like It's <laughs> gross. Like, <laughs> like, if you wanted to do a really crude reading of it, but yeah. that, I, I don't think that's what they're going for at all. It's
0: like... No, not at all. And it's not played like that in any way whatsoever. Um, now again, now I'm thinking about like the, if this was handled by... The team behind Click.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He went back in time. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the lovely boobies. (laughs) Well, imagine this takes place in the Click universe and Adam Sandler's assistant who has the gender reassignment treatment is actually the unmarried mother.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah. Hard target Jeep going off!
2: The DV- on the DVD commentary, the directors are going, uh, one of our main inspirations was the Adam Sandler vehicle, Click, from 2004. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you, Click. <laughs>
0: Uh, Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> so uh, I like that, um, you know, like un- unanimously, I mean, those those numbers for critical reception um, are high across the board. And they're, they're usually what you'd find in like a really well-revered box office hit, aren't they? Yeah. But this never found the audience for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, I think, well, partly because it's an Australian film, I, I guess. Um, but it's got yeah. an
1: American movie I mean- star in it. So it's like... I know, yeah, yeah. This
2: is the but, thing. Yeah. Obviously, he's not
1: box office. He, Ethan Hawke, like, he's not. He's you know, he's not Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or whatever. He can't yeah. open a movie unless it's like this sort of specific sort of low budget film that he seems attracted to. I mean, I think this sort of covers off everything within his filmography, really, in terms yeah. of uh, you know, it's got it's got the originality, it's low budget, it's got elements of horror yeah. to it as well. Um, which is something else that he's done quite a bit of as well. It's just a fascinating, I think what's happening is when people find the movie, they assume that because it never had any fanfare or, you know, just disappeared out of cinemas maybe after a couple of days or a week or something and went straight to DVD, that they then assume it's just going to be a load of director dvd rubbish, a la Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sorry, Rob. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> don't yeah. Don't talk about my client in that way. <laughs>
0: My 12% from Van Damme is very valuable.
1: (laughs) But then they watch it and they see that it's like a really well-crafted, unbelievably ambitious time travel parable about identity and fate and destiny and the choices that we make and how time actually changes a person. So who you are when you're in your 40s, early 50s, as Ethan Hawke is, is not the same as when you were a teenage yeah. girl. Oh, God, it's all fallen apart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it is. This is ambitious. This is ambition. It is ambitious, but restra- it's restrained ambition, I think. That's a nice expression. Yeah, they tell the story, but do it in a way where it can be told in a bar. Yeah. yeah. The
1: themes, are, the themes and the ideas and the questions that it poses are ambitious, whereas... You know, obviously, due to budget constraints, there's like there's only one action sequence in this in this film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's a shootout between two slash three people. Yeah, during... yeah. yeah. The one, yeah. The, the one know, at the start,
2: the, the opening. The yeah, that they right. call yeah. back
1: to later on. Which then, yeah, yeah, yeah and then a bit of hand to hand combat. It's just the same sequence, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Where, Twice. where I have um, to
2: say, uh, during that sequence, so we're with Ethan Hawke, the middle Ethan Hawke. And he's yeah. like, pretty shit as an agent, isn't he? He like he, he shoots like a stormtrooper, can't hit his future self. Sorry, the, at this moment, we don't know. It's the fizzle bomber. Can't shoot <laughs> him for shit. And then he has a hand-to-hand combat where he gets absolutely battered. <laughs> which
1: always confused me because when he actually catches up with the fizzle bomber later on, who is his older self, who's gone absolutely insane, which there's nice little clues towards that throughout... So one of the rules of the film, it does have certain time travel rules in the sense that too many jumps through time can cause yeah. Uh, psychosis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And that's sort of the justification for him becoming the fizzle bomber towards the end. Now, what I wanted to pose here, are there any other agents or is he the only agent? So if you're talking from mm. a time travel perspective, if you've got one person who can travel back in time, and they're constantly relaying the tracks, so abducting the baby and putting her 20 years from her birth date into 1945, mm. then you don't need other agents, do you? Mm. Yeah, that's true. If it's just going to keep looping round, If you can go to any point in history <laughs> for, at any time, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's not much of a, a sort of broad reason for it, is it, other than this... Solo story. Because how would they recruit the other agents? Oh, yeah. Because
1: he recruits himself, doesn't he? Yeah. Like,
2: well, it's like, uh, well, say, like Looper, where it's obvious it's a bunch yeah. of agents. Well, they're not agents either, they're hitmen. Um, yeah. But you don't get that at all with this. I mean, you've got Noah Taylor and there's those two suited guys at the start. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. get an idea it is some sort of organisation. Yeah. They just sort of gloss yeah, over Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just like the idea of him... He's like it's sort of intimated out that this fizzle bomber is the reason and him chasing the fizzle bomber through time is the only reason that this agency has been created in the first place and why it exists and I just like the idea that he's just going back and doing all these various missions and he's the only ah oh. he's the only agent and now I'm hurting my own head <laughs> it does hurt your head thinking of that
2: is it he's the only agent because he's the only one who's because he saves loads of people's lives, doesn't he? By stopping other mass, yeah, yeah, mm. things. What we don't we don't see, we only see sort of reference to them and newspaper clippings and yeah. things like that. Uh, but again, is that just a? Mago- I don't, I don't know. I think I we're going know. well too far into the abyss. <laughs> we, can't but, the, we
1: can't get back.
0: But the film does make you ask questions like this, you know. And it goes back to what I was saying before about infinity. When the possibilities are endless, where does your brain stop? Because it doesn't have exactly. to, and in this, you know, like like you say, James, you know, and Sai as well, yourself, you're saying that you can pick any point in time, anywhere, at any moment in history, and go back and change whatever. Do you really need any more agents? Because you can just pick what time you send that agent back, what yeah, moment? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Do you need any true. other ones?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a scrambler. Oh, it is a proper scrambler. (laughs) We've Uh, gone beyond the realms of the page with this one.
0: No, no, but Uh, it was always going to go that way. Right, I'm going to pull it back to something um, a bit simpler. So, I mean, obviously it seems we've taken a lot of positives from the film, but um, we know that other people might not have felt that way going off the Metacritic scores. Um, Si, have you got any choice nuggets of um negativity for us from the critic websites.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it it it's a straight I mean, I think sci-fi is the most polarizing of genres anyway. So naturally you're going to get two extremes of the spectrum. We've got some really good sort of positive reviews. Uh but in terms of the critics, there's um there's quite a few, there's quite a couple of odd negative ones, I think.
1: I mean, even the negative reviews aren't that negative. They always find some, no one's, apart from a few- No one's smashed uh, it to pieces. A few user reviews, people are, are, were just like, oh, it's rubbish. You know, it's not helpful at all. Um, for the most part, I think even in the negative reviews, from what I've read, they've uh, they've managed to find some positivities within there, whether it's just the scale of the ambition of the idea that they're going for, or... Um, well, Sarah Snook has been praised uh, to the hilt, which is yeah, absolutely yeah. spot on because she is phenomenal, and I don't think we can stress that
2: enough within that. Agreed. Within... Agreed. great, yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah There's another one from uh, Jim Shembury from 3AW. Uh, A dog's breakfast of clashing ideas and concepts. It's confused and confusing, and the more it tries to untangle itself, the deeper it digs itself into an incoherent whole. Um which I just think that's a case of someone not paying attention. I
0: yeah, I think must have watched it while messing around on a smartphone or something. I don't I don't or trying to do something else. I think that that, that description there in that review is of a film that this could have been if it was less competently
1: handled. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think it sort of comes down to the paradoxes, to be honest. If your internal logic will not allow you to get on board with the amount of paradoxical events going on within the course of the narrative then you're just not going to connect with the film yeah. at all. I think if you try and apply logic and real-life uh, expectations to this sort of story, yeah. it, you're trying to you're trying to apply logic to something completely illogical, mm, like yeah. it's fantasy, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And, it, and, and it's all theoretical and there's no, you know, while time travel has its physics rules... yeah apparently You still have to give it a bit of leeway to stuff and you can sort of do what you want if of course you can't, know, i mean yeah, so exactly so. <laughs> this
0: is no but ultimately this is in the same category as gandalf going over the bridge to the balrog and shouting you shall pass <laughs> it's the in the same thing
1: not pass
0: yeah incidentally someone should have said that to the unmarried <laughs> morred mother when she went back um the only thing that i don't think we've covered so far in this one uh, gents is the score and soundtrack Um, I I can't really remember too much if I'm completely honest but whatever it was was used very sparingly
1: yeah I think it had again because it's sort of like a a film that's split into two it sort of had like a more traditional kind of score in the first 45 minutes while we're finding out all the unmarried mother's backstory uh, and it's much more of a sweeping kind of orchestral sort of score if I remember correctly and then when Ethan Hawke utters the line to her after... as lines to the unmarried mother. Sorry, I keep referring to as her. I don't mean to keep doing that; it's just confusing. No, it is. It is um, confusing
0: yeah. enough. It's not like I said before, Jeff, It's not insensitivity. Yeah. It's just the plot of this film is it's hard enough to unravel while trying yeah. to get the pronouns and because right. I'm just
1: so conscious that Sarah Snook is playing the male version of herself as well. So exactly. That's, exactly. When, when I'm saying her, I mean Sarah Snook. Sarah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, she. Um, I've done it again. Right. <laughs> 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 Basically, the unmarried mother finishes the story and Ethan Hawke says, not bad, goes back to the bar. And then he says to the unmarried mother, if I could put the man who ruined your life in front of you, would you kill him? And then from there, the movie suddenly switches and goes from this quite sensitive sort of uh, drama that it's been for the first 40 minutes or so, and the score shifts as well, all of a sudden you get this sci-fi, propulsive sort of... Oh, yeah. Uh, um, ...time travel-type theme that's... It's a bit by the numbers, but it's, it gets the job done, essentially. yeah. 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 Well, there's yeah. so
0: much going on that you don't really need the score to give you any pointers.
1: And I think that's pretty much running in the background for most of the sequences, then. Uh, so it's not too intrusive at all. It's just sort of mm. running as a bed underneath the action. Yeah. yeah,
2: there's just there's one there's one song there's one needle drop, isn't there, on the jukebox in the bar? Oh yeah. yeah, you know, according to you know the good old IMDb trivia page, we love we love that reference point. Um, it plays apparently plays a 1947 song, I'm my own grandpa, um, <laughs> which obviously foreshadows the sort of final plot twist. And actually, I think a second watch will. I'm looking forward to giving it a second watch because I'm sure that whole bar scene. Is just full of foreshadowing. Like I remember, Oh, it must be yeah. One of them, I remember the 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 signs for the the gents and ladies toilets was so prominent in the background that they. I want to watch it again and just see where where they because that must. There'll be loads of clues. There are loads of clues. Yeah. Well, uh, right at the start
1: when um, Ethan Hawke gets his face reconstructed and he looks in the mirror for the first time after the bandages come off and he says, "My own mother wouldn't even recognise me."
2: Yeah, uh, that. that's
1: the force she That's the foreshadowing, of course. Oh, like, yeah. So it's all littered throughout. Um, so just to sort of wrap the film up, so uh, Ethan Hawke, um, after laying the seed, so he takes baby Jane back to 1945 so that the sequence could start all over again. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously she'll grow up and the rest of the film will happen. He retires to 1974. New York, and uh, when he gets to his destination, he goes to decommission his time machine and it doesn't decommission, mm. uh, which then gives him the opportunity to hunt down the fizzle bomber. So he tracks the fizzle bomber down and it turns out that it's him. And he basically tells him that the cycle will start again if he kills him or the two of them can sort of be together. Essentially, he's gone completely insane and he feels like the bombings that he's doing is stopping other atrocities. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, younger Ethan Hawke kills mentally unhinged Ethan Hawke. <laughs> and we're left then with the question of, is he going to go on and become the Fizzle bomber? bomber? And yeah. And then it's sort of intercut in between Sarah Snook and, and Ethan Hawke as they go on their respective journeys, him through retirement and her... Uh, starting out as an agent, yeah, uh, and then at this point it is revealed that through the scarring from the uh, amount of surgeries that the character has undergone over the year for the uh, over the years for the gender reassignment, that they are in fact the same person. Yeah, and then it just ends. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, on that and on, on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a literal yeah, bombshell. Yeah. yeah, I I really like the fact that um, you know given the opportunity, uh, Ethan Hawke. um, Waxed himself? Well, not as in himself, but he shot the Fizzle Bomber.
2: Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant waxed himself for the reveal of the scars on his on his naked. No, face. no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm assuming he did as well. Uh, yeah. Which there is a little bit of a plot hole there in that sense because he's had his entire face reconstructed, so now he looks like gorgeous Ethan Hawke and not like <laughs> some burnt monster. Could they not have removed the scarring from his body at the same well, time? Maybe was
0: it there, you know, to always remind him of his... his Possibly, you know, yeah. yeah. S- ...central purpose, you know, uh, which yeah, is to just keep that of cycle that going.
1: Have exactly who he is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, like, I, I liked
0: all of that. I liked the way it came together and I liked the way when we got to the very end, um, you sort of knew where everyone was and everyone was going, you know, and there was always that possibility, like you say, James, because I didn't know... Until you just said it, that oh yeah, he could still go on and become the Fizzle Bomber.
1: Yeah, because you don't know if the uh, Fizzle Bomber is lying to him or not. Yeah, yeah, you've no yeah. idea.
2: I took that ending as he had broke the chain, but maybe he didn't. Yeah, I don't because the fact that the time machine is supposed to be decommissioned but it isn't suggests that he can still travel around time. Yeah, 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 and, that, and too many and jumps will lead to further psychosis. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. then you have to
1: wonder, is Robertson behind that? So Robertson's like the overseer of the agency. Does the Fizzle Bomber exist so that this agency can exist and they can sort of have these time travellers who go back and stuff?
2: Yeah, that's the justification for it. Yeah, Yeah, that's
1: true. But
0: by that point, I'm half expecting, um, you know, what's his name? Noah Thomas?
1: What's his name uh, uh Noah Taylor Noah
0: Taylor. Taylor Noah Taylor at this point i'm expecting him to him to stand up and to open his top and reveal the same scarring as everyone else like oh it was <laughs> oh, god, god you know. that would have been pretty easy <laughs> I, know, I know and then now i'm expecting you know like a post credit scene of you know the credits have rolled and then we're faced with the back room at bed bath and beyond and morty stands up and morty's got the scarring <laughs> across his belly <laughs> It's
1: the oh, click. the If people have not listen to the click <laughs> episode, they're gonna be so confused.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, go back and listen to the click episode, alright? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's
1: good. Yeah, uh,
0: so boys, what do you think? Um predestination for your reconsideration, what are you saying?
1: Well, obviously I've picked this film. Uh this was the third or fourth time that I've watched it. Uh even knowing the twists and the way that the uh the story plays out. Uh, I still enjoyed it. I still think it's uh, a really good piece of low-budget filmmaking, comparatively. You know, it's not Dead Man's Mm. Shoes in terms of budget, but in terms of some of the bigger films that we'll look at over the course of the podcast, this is quite micro in in its budget. I think they use the resources to uh, get the absolute maximum out of that. It's well shot. It's clearly told, considering how convoluted the plot is. The reveals are good, but they give you enough cues and clues to figure them out beforehand if you want to. Um, Ethan Hawke and uh, is reliable as ever, um, just doing his old... Uh, he's sort of the straight guy in this film, uh, where all the madness sort of revolves around him. And Sarah Snook, who I haven't seen in anything... Uh, I have seen her in a Black Mirror episode now that i come to think of it, but I didn't realise it was her. Uh, she's phenomenal in this film and the film's worth watching for her performance on its own. It's a real knockout yeah. performance. Sweet. Sai?
2: No, yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely recommend this. I I'd not heard of this before James suggested it, so I was a bit going in. This is the first time I've gone into a film for this, what I haven't seen previously. So, um, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was a really solid runtime. I love a film what's less than two hours long. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. You know, actually. that's pretty bad to you. say as a as a film lover. Sometimes when you when it's one evening and you've not got two and a half hours to spare, you just want a nice, concise, uh, economical film. I loved it for that. Um, and to me, it felt like a, a like a pseudo Nolan movie. Um yeah. I don't think yeah. it was as good as like Memento. No, no, um, no, yeah. But I do think it certainly deserved to be in the same conversation as it. I think it's as good uh in terms of, you know, its its twist and turns and its plot. It was very entertaining. I, I love the shift halfway through. Yeah, I I thought it was great. I, I thought it was really good. Sarah Snook was incredible in this. So good. My fa- my you know my favourite bit was when she's having dinner with her past self. And it reminded me of Sam Rockwell in Moon, um, where whereas he did the whole film acting with himself she does that scene with it and it's it's just great the, she's superb in it superb justice for Snook.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she's doing all right she's
1: she's having a good career i suppose <laughs> i just think she should be doing she should be like in a big superhero franchise or something i think
0: she's in the the star wars franchise isn't she uh what like Emperor Snook. No, as in, like, oh. it was one, of the, one of the dark, like, Lord Sidious or someone. I think like you'll a... find
1: it Snoke. I think uh... you'll find it Snoke.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. Another another franchise trashed. Uh, uh, yeah, I think to to uh, round out um, three glowing, review, uh, you know, uh, reports on this, uh, couldn't echo this more. Snook is an absolute revelation in this. Um, in fact, I can't think of... Uh, a more versatile performance i 've seen in recent years um she 's seamless in every every bit of this film uh and that 's it 's worth watching for that alone uh and that 's without considering the fact that this is a really um it 's a high concept film um delivered on a really small budget they they achieve their goals and do more with this material uh than films with twenty times the budget of this mm. so yeah it's um definitely would urge reconsider this one, give this one another look. Um, And I think that's unanimous across the board. Am I right? Consider
1: it to start with, yeah. Yeah, consider it to
0: start with, actually, yeah. This was so underappreciated that, yeah, just consider it. So there goes another episode of For Your Reconsideration is in the can. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, we're on Twitter, For Your Reconsideration, give us a follow. We're also on Letterboxd as pod, where you can check out the star ratings for each of the films we cover and also what's coming up on future episodes. And if you want to get in touch with us and tell us how bad or how good Hopefully we're doing, uh, email us at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And, uh, if you, uh, you know, if you really feel like it, please give us a five star review wherever you saw us, uh, or listen to us. That will help more people discover us. So, uh, thank you very much for listening. Join us again soon. Say goodbye, boys. See ya. Bye bye. Bye bye. And, uh, take it easy. We're off to go and find, uh, a time machine so we can go and impregnate our younger, we'll call it because even I got lost in the conceit (laughs) (laughs) and I'm glad I didn't finish the sentence (laughs) we'll so should we cut that at? <laughs> oh. Say
2: goodbye, boys. Ooh. Ooh. Let's do the bye bit again. Fuck yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, wait. How
0: exactly
1: would we impregnate our younger selves, Rob?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Because then, and then I'm getting like I'm not intelligent enough to make this joke.
1: <laughs> oh. Simon, all of this has to stay in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll try that again. Say goodbye, boys.
2: See ya. Bye bye.
0: Take it easy.
2: I'm definitely using the original (laughs) one. No!